0: sacred city life podcast this is your host justin dean pastor of sacred city church in davenport iowa and this podcast is all about helping you follow jesus in the normal everyday rhythms of life and this segment of the podcast we call theology for everyone it's our goal to make every housewife a bomb theologian this year yeah Every hardworking dad, a bomb theologian (laughs) this year, right? Every college kid, a legit theologian this year, right? Every single person, go down the list. We want to make you a better theologian this year because Theology is what you believe about God and what you know about God, and if you if your theology is off, then you're not going to know God rightly, and you're not going to be able to worship God rightly and relate to God in right ways. And mm-hmm. so this the- Theology for Everyone segment, I don't want to just be intellectual, but it's very important that we all get a good, working, biblical theology of who God is, mm-hmm. and so one of the things we do or how we're doing that is we're just working through a historical document, one of the first kind of systematic theologies um, of the Reformed tradition and that's called the Westminster Confession of Faith. One of the best many systematic theologies you can ever find and we're just slowly working through it, talking about each chapter, talking about each article in each chapter and not going incredibly deep. Um, we could, we could, and we're willing to go deeper. If you've got questions and you ask us, we're willing to go deeper. So you send those emails to me at justindeedsacracitychurch.com, and we'll go as deep as you ask us to go. Uh, but we want to make this accessible for everyone. So even if you're just working through this as a parent at the mm-hmm. dinner table or if your, your kid asks you a question, there is nothing worse in the moment. Mm-hmm. When your kid asks you a question and you can't come up with the answer in the moment, and I would be like, listen, don't make it up. The temptation is to make it up. Don't make it up. I've made it up. I've made it up before and got called out on it. <laughs> I've made it up. I'm like, my daughter asked me a question. I'm trying to make something up. And then I hear jabbing across the room. That's not right. <laughs> we learned in school that, I'm like, God, you got me. All right, don't make it up. Um, we hope to help you become better theologians so you've got the right answers. And if you, if you don't have the answer, just say, hey, I don't have the answer. Let me ask Pastor Justin, okay? So... We're slowly working through Westminster Confession of Faith. It's going to take us a long time to get through this. We are, we are beginning Chapter 6 today. Once again, I've got Bryson Amex with me. How's it going? I got Joel Beckford with me. Hello. I got Kevin Noer. Hey, guys. Okay, there we go. Shout out to all you guys, and um, we're going to work through this. Now, listen, Chapter 6 is titled, Of the Fall of Man of sin and of the punishment thereof. So, we've already covered creation. Everything was created good by God. We've already created providence, covered providence, covered election. And now we're moving to the fall of man, of sin, and the punishment thereof. So, pardon me, I'm smoking a cigar. I'm making all kind of <laughs> Disgusting noises probably on the podcast. I I apologize. Here's what the uh, article one says in chapter six. Our first parents, speaking of Adam and Eve, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. This, their sin, God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purposed to order it to his own glory. Any first thoughts as we first read that, that this morning?
1: Um, darn. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, Really screwed things up.
0: <laughs> yep. But you see the providence even in that, right? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You see the providence already in that text. Uh, so it, this is just kind of a succinct way to describe what we should all know. Um, but let's go through it real quick. Our first parents, again, Adam and Eve, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan. Sinned. That's a big word. We need to talk about that more because most people don't even know what sinning means. Mm. They think it's just kind of a yes. slap on the hand, taking something from the cookie jar, a fun thing they do that somebody said is bad, but mm. the sin is missing the mark, is disobeying an almighty, holy, righteous God. Yeah. They did that in eating the forbidden fruit.
1: we got a text for that. Yeah. Genesis 3, 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is that that you have done? Sorry, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a, you can see that, I like how he says it, the, or the Westminster Divines say it here. Seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan. So it, it wasn't just, Satan did not come to Adam and Eve or to Eve specifically and go, listen, God's an idiot. Disobey him. Hmm. He said, he, he was very subtle. Mm-hmm. Did God really say that you couldn't touch any tree? Well, no, he didn't actually say that. He said, just can't touch that one tree, and just can't eat that one tree. So he's kind of had this subtlety, and he's kind of this weird, you know, just kind of a temptation, and look how beautiful it looks, and it's, it's going to make you wise if you eat it. So there was... The way that the devil framed it up, the way Satan framed it up, it seemed maybe in the moment a little gray. It was a little gray area. Mm. wasn't clear disobedience. You know, there's some subtlety into that. This is what they go on to say. This, their sin. God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purposed to order it, to his own glory. Got a text?
2: Yeah, Romans eleven thirty two, For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all.
0: Okay, so God wrote the fall into his story. And we shake our fist at that. We get frustrated at that. We wonder at that there is mystery behind it. Why would God allow Adam and Eve to sin? There's a lots of ways to discuss it to discuss it. Obviously to give them quote unquote free re- free will requires that they have the ability to sin. Mm-hmm. So you know you can't give somebody free will and then not have the option that they could actually disobey you and sin and rebel. Mm-hmm. okay So that's obviously there. If there was no sin, so if there was no fall, there would be no cross. Mm-hmm. There would be no savior. There would be no redemption. So in the beginning, I, I don't know, maybe this is not the right way to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. If we're Adam and Eve, what did it cost God to love us? How does Adam and Eve know that God loves them? Hmm. Answer the question. Somebody.
2: They don't. What? They don't. Why? Because they hadn't sinned. There was no... They didn't cost God anything. I mean, okay. He created them and that was... And he spoke it. everything
0: into existence. Yeah. Boom. Spoke. Boom, boom, boom. He speaks it. Okay. He spoke it in existence. He made... Now, he was taking care of them. He was providing for them. He was doing all these things. But obviously, he's an omnipotent God who can speak things into existence. Right? Theoretically, it didn't cost him much. Right? Right? in that moment. So what does love mean when it doesn't cost, right? There's like this question mark. And that's, I think that's what Satan plays on, you know, maybe God's holding out on you. Mm. Like there's this, how much does God really love you? And does God really care for you? But because of sin, God allows Adam and Eve to sin and Adam and Eve and Adam and mankind to fall into sin. And get cursed and creation to get cursed. And then God ultimately enters into his creation as a man and then takes the sin of the world upon his shoulders and is crucified uh, and dies a brutal death in our place for our sins. Look what God has done to love us. Hmm. So now on this side of the cross, we can say what, what did it cost God to love us?
2: His son, Jesus. Yeah. Right?
0: And so we can see, at least maybe, I don't know if that's just theoretical or biblical or what, but we can at least see how allowing sin made it possible for us to experience God's love in a unique way.
2: Hmm.
0: Right? Dream it? Yeah. Okay. Article two. By this sin they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God and so became dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. Mm. Okay. So what happened? God said, if you eat of the tree, you shall die. You shall surely die. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? By this sin, they fell. We call this the fall. So we have creation. Part one of the story of God is creation. God creates everything good. Part two of the story of Scripture is the fall. Adam and Eve fell from their original righteousness and communion
1: with God got a scripture for that? Yeah, Ecclesiastes, is that mine, yeah? Ecclesiastes 729. See, this alone I found, that God made man, made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes.
0: Okay. God made man upright, creation, but they have sought out many, scre- many schemes. Now, you could go to Romans 3.23, you can go to... Genesis 3, 6, 7, and 8. Those are also scriptures that show they were created good and yet chose unrighteousness, chose to rebel from God, and therefore they were cursed and they fell from their original righteousness. So they were originally holy, right with God, and in communion with God. They could walk with God in the cool of the day. They can be in right relationship with God because they were holy and God was holy. When they fell, they became sinful. God remained holy. And now, what can a holy God and a sinful person have to do with one another? They can't relate. God cannot be in the presence of sin. God is holiness itself. That's like trying to, re- us in our physical flesh now, trying to relate the Sun the closer you get yeah <laughs> the more deadly it be- it becomes hmm. right <clears throat> so they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God and so
2: became dead in sin do
0: we have text for that
2: yeah Ephesians 2: 1 and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we, you once walked following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So
0: what do you guys think it means to be dead in sin?
1: Wow. Well, I'm I'm even thinking just in that moment, if that's true of just instantly they, they disobey God and they were once... Alive to God, walking with him in the cool day, enjoying him, and then, boom, they're dead in their sin. Wages of sin is death. I mean, this stuff cooks my noodle, but it's, yeah, I don't even know how to...
0: What does it mean to be dead in your trespasses and sins? Yeah.
2: I think maybe I would think through, like, you're cut off from God, like God is yeah, I'll just stop right there. You're cut off from God.
1: Yeah, cut off from the source of life itself.
2: Yeah. Mhm. Mhm.
1: You're out of relationship with that. So there's nothing else out there. everything outside of a relationship with God is is death.
0: Yeah, so we see immediately in that creation story in the fall they're hiding from God.
2: Mm.
0: They're naked and ashamed. They're in the bushes. There's relational conflict with each other. And there's now conflict with creation too. So they are, everything has fractured now. Being dead in your trespasses and sins means, yes, you are cut off from God. There's something broken in you. There's something broken in every human being. And there's something broken in creation now. Yeah, Things are not working as they used to be. And I love how the Westminster Divines say it here. So and so became dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. We got a text for that.
1: Titus one fifteen. To the pure all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled.
0: Both their minds and their consciences. Okay, so we've got multiple mm-hmm. areas of the human being that have been marred by sin, okay? The mind, this is... I'm going to nerd out just for a second. Mm-hmm. This is called the noetic effects of the fall. The no, noetic means like how we know things. The mental... Our brains, our mental acuity, the way we think is infected by sin. So we're born into this world, dead in our trespasses and sins, and cut off from God. And there's actually sinful ways of thinking that are just common to man, right? That's some of the noetic effects of the fall the natural man how does he think he needs to relate to God
2: I don't think he does well
0: okay Romans 1 says everyone knows there is a God Mm -hmm. everyone believes he's powerful right there's certain attributes they can't deny so how how does the natural man think he has to relate to God
1: by works right yes yeah
0: yes so what does that look like in real life
1: I could be a, God just wants me to be a good person or better than the worst person I can think of, or, you know, the lowest common denominator, but I got to be good, better than that. Yeah.
0: So that's the moralistic version. Yeah. God wants me just to be a good old boy or a good guy or better than the last guy. And when you get to heaven, he's going to look at you and go, yeah, you're a pretty good old boy. Come on in here, boy. Right. Or there's also the, it's the same thing works based, but then there's, you go to a Buddhist temple, and how do they relate to God in a Buddhist temple? They light candles, they bow, they dance, they do all of this mumbo-jumbo. It's all religious practice. God cares about how I behave in a way. When I come into the temple, here's all the things that I must do and the ways I must relate to God, and God looks down and goes, oh yeah, that movement was correct, that prayer was right, that incense was burnt, that was the... And so it's all works-based. And so you have Indian tribes who cut themselves and go on long fasts and they burn incense and they kill their enemies in certain ways, all of it to what? Appease the gods. Mm. So there's this natural way of thinking in the mind of man that... Seems right to him, but it ends in death. And it says, basically, all God cares about is how you behave, mm. your works, your actions, mm. Okay, whether moralistic, religious, or whatever they are. Or in, in our modern secular society, it relates it down to how you treat the oppressed and how you treat the, the, the um, environment. Right, the words that you use. Are you woke or not? Are you, um, you know, whatever. That, mm-hmm. that that that's it. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, are, are you an enlightened Tesla driving vegan, anti-racist, gender fluid <laughs> person? <laughs> but all of it is. Yeah. To be righteous before God. Yeah. That's what it is. Totally. That's part of the noetic effects of the fall. And so this is what he says We're holy, or they say, holy, defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. So, soul, mind, will, and emotions. Hmm. The mind, the noetic effects of the fall, the will, what we want. How is the Fall affected what we
2: want. I mean, I just think through things like idolatry. Idol- our idols tell us what we want. And they tell us what we should want. And so, like, if you have an idol of comfort, then you Well, hold on, hold on. Okay.
0: What is an idol?
2: Uh, something elevated to the place of God.
0: Something what?
2: Something created.
0: Something created elevated to the place of God. So idolatry is what?
2: Worshipping the creation over the creator.
0: Boom, that's it, okay? So we want created stuff more than the creator, right? Mm -hmm. That's how the fall has affected us in our will. Our will chooses to value created stuff more than the creator. Yeah. Right? So our mind is bent towards evil. Our mind is bent, we have no, the noetic effects of the fall. Our mind is bent to created things and it's marred and we don't worship God and we think we could earn our way back to God through works righteousness. And our will is bent towards worshiping the creator rather than the creation. How is our emotions affected by the fall?
1: First thing that comes to mind is that we um, maybe we get angry about things that don't uh, we we have dis, dis, disproportionate amounts of emotions over things that maybe don't they're they don't they're not weighed properly so we we get angry about things that we shouldn't get angry about hmm. and we're passionate about things that we shouldn't get passionate about and instead of looking to God to align those feelings, we, we elevate things in in a weird, in a weird way.
0: Yeah. Augustine said we have disordered affections. Yeah. We love the things of the world more than we love God. And so if somebody threatens the things of the world, we lash out and freak out of them. Yeah. Right. So we just, our emotions, we can't trust our emotions. Because of the fall affecting our mind, our will and emotions, we honestly can never trust wholly our emotions. Mm. Sometimes we feel offended, mm-hmm. and then we find out, "Oh crap! I was wrong. I was wrong." Yeah, I f- or I felt hurt, or I felt whatever, and our feelings are wrong. So, interesting enough, the Westminster Divines are saying we are affected, wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. How has the fall affected our body?
2: We die. (laughs) We get hurt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boom, we die. We get hurt. Work's hard. Work is very hard. Yeah. I'm 41. This past two years have been (laughs) tough on me, (laughs) this old boy. I've had knee surgery. I've had adrenal fatigue that put me out. I've broken a bone in my throat. I've got a bulge disc in my back. I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. The fall has affected our body. Okay, so we have been affected in our mind, the noetic effects of the fall, and our will, we choose to worship the creator rather than the creation. In our emotions, our emotions, we can't necessarily trust them. They're wrong often. We love the creation more than the creator. We love things we shouldn't love. We love too much, the created, less, God, all that kind of stuff. And then our bodies affected by the, by the fall as well. What do you think they mean when it says wholly defiled? Wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body?
2: Everything. Totally. All of it. Okay. there's. Some, I would
1: say that there's... All the way through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the way through, there's it almost seems irredeemable. There's not a redeemable quality in itself. If you're wholly defiled, there ain't no coming back from it. Groove scripture on that. That was just the uh, that was the Titus one. Oh, you, that you just read. Yeah, to the pure all things are pure but Oh yeah. Yeah, to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure.
0: So this is where yeah. people get confused. When they say wholly defiled, does that mean We're incapable of doing anything good.
2: Define good. (laughs) Okay. What is good? That's
1: a Jesus question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. If can I, if I am an unbeliever, and I am dead in sin, wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body, can I help? An old lady across the street. Absolutely. Well, but doesn't that define I mean, doesn't that go against being wholly defiled in all the parts?
2: No, but let me think. (laughs) So Kevin? So I think it's kind of like um Like the doctrine of total depravity, right? Where we are not as bad as we possibly could be, but we are completely bad to the extent that we are.
0: Why are we not as bad as we possibly could be? Common grace. So God restrains the evil of even unbelievers through his common grace. So we're not, he's not saying we're completely as bad as we possibly could be. No, 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 no. There's are sweet little old ladies that don't worship Jesus. And they're wholly defiled, but they're sweet little old ladies. But what it's saying is their goodness is not holiness. Their goodness could be just for the sake of goodness, just for the sake of their children, just for the sake of created good, just out of common grace, and not wholly good. For a behavior to be wholly good, the behavior must be good, And the motivation behind it must be good. And it must be done out of faith in the triune God. Mm. Mm -hmm. Anything that is not of faith is sin, the Bible tells us. Mm. So I can be a good person because I want to look good. I don't want to be like one of those jerks that wouldn't help an old lady across the road. And so ultimately I'm doing that good behavior for my own goodness. I don't want to be a jerk, right? I'm not doing it because Jesus Christ has loved me like that, and so I am responding to the gospel and responding to the grace of God in Christ and helping this old lady across the road because Jesus laid his life down for me, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> when the Westminster Divines say we are wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties and body and soul and body, what they're not they're not saying. Every single aspect of the human is evil
2: Mm.
0: outside of God. If you don't turn to Christ. They're not saying we're not incapable of doing quote-unquote good things. They're saying every aspect of mind, body, and soul of the person outside of Christ is bent towards evil. Mm. They're not doing it as a response. They're not doing it for the glory of God. They're not bringing doing it to bring glory to his name. At most, they're doing it um, for their own goodness or for just the goodness of,
1: of creation's sake. It makes me think of uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. He talks about the moral law being written on everyone's conscience. Mm-hmm. It's like we know if you see the old lady dropping her groceries across the street and you walk by her, you just know that you, you, you even without even... Uh, a sense of dogma necessarily. Like you would just know that's wrong. I, yeah. need to, I need to help
0: her. If you're a gangbanger that's robbing drug houses and stealing people and shooting people yeah. and you're, you know, beating your girlfriend and you walk up and you see the old lady crossing the road, you stop cars to help the old yeah. lady cross the yeah. road. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't mean, it's not sign of your own goodness. Yeah. It's sign of the common grace of God, Yes,
2: mm.
0: right? And so- that's what they're. That's what they're getting at. None of us are as bad as we could be. If God's common grace didn't restrain us, we probably would be all little freaking Adolf Hitlers. Yeah. Yeah. But God's common grace restrains our evil, and keeps it at bay. So, thankfully, we only have a few Saddam Husseins and Osama bin Ladens and Adolf Hitlers and. Genghis Khan's and down the list you could go we only have a few of those thank God but every single human being is still bent the nicest Mr. Rogers person in the world is still bent wholly in soul and body towards sin Mm -hmm. and that sin might be more culturally respectable right Mm. or it could be completely depraved like Hannibal Lecter it could be either either way But they're still defining themselves away from the almighty holy God, and they're not seeking redemption through Jesus Christ and finding redemption through his life, death, and resurrection. And so ultimately, even their good works are like filthy rags. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what Isaiah tells us. So, it is this doctrine is, uh, man... I
1: think our culture completely
0: pushes away <laughs> yeah. from this doctrine.
1: Yeah. That oh, we yeah. As you're talking, uh, sorry to cut you off. I, I see people all throughout my life who deny God, who try and do the good things that we've just been talking about, not recognizing that in doing those good things, they're doing it with a wrong motive, and therefore it's sin, and that sin means that they're dead Hmm. and so all the while they're trying to be the most moral person that they could possibly be and it's not doing anything for them and so God even God's common grace so that's good that they can do good things in the world his particular grace in raising the dead and changing changing that portion of this truth that we're dead in our sins and he makes us yeah. alive. I like how you, you, you bring out a good point. So
0: because of God's common grace, there are some unbelievers who are better humans yeah. than Christians. Yeah, Some Christians. Let me say <laughs> it like that. They are kinder, gentler, more educated, more well-read, more generous. I, don't, I think it's rare. But God's common grace teaches us that there can be some unbelievers who are actually better humans than believers. Because the gospel is so scandalous. There's a profet, I don't know what it is if it's a if it's a confession of faith, Joel, you might be able to correct mm-hmm. me here. We just read it recently. It says something like, "The vilest." Mm. It has the word vile" in it.
1: Mm.
0: like, God welcomes Oh, the song we just sang, His mercy is
1: more. It's a hymn. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. the vi- yeah, hold on. when we, we sing that
0: with happy faces, yeah, we do. And we lift <laughs> hands every time. I am so confronted with the word the vilest." Yeah. What that means is... God welcomes the rapist Mm. who turns from his sins and puts his faith in Christ. Mm. And denies the do-gooder. And denies the do-gooder. Yeah, man. That's the scandalous nature of the cross. The prostitutes are closer to the kingdom of God than the religious priests Mm. who think that they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Every time we read that We sing that song The vilest The poor I literally have in my mind Like Hannibal Lecter Silence of the Lambs Type stuff Like Jeffrey Dahmer
1: Yeah
0: I'm like If Jeffrey Dahmer Legitimately turned to Christ In his jail cell God welcomes him Into his kingdom And we might see him in heaven Yeah Yeah and yet the person who's given their life to inner city kids in Chicago and served every, you know, has only made $25,000 a year and has given up so much stuff just to serve these inner city kids in the poorest neighborhood and give them education and get them all this kind of stuff, and yet that person doesn't trust Christ. That person spends eternity in hell cut off from Christ. I don't think most of us really think about that. We, we operate by a workspace mentality most of the time. I think God likes the good and God rejects the evil. And not, we're all wholly defiled in body and soul. And the only way to find redemption is by putting your faith in the perfect one, Jesus Christ. And that means even the vilest who recognizes their need for him and puts their faith in him, be made pure and righteous hmm. because of the work of Jesus. He's Amen. God. Amen, but oh me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this is Article 1 and 2 on the doctrine of sin, we could even say, or the fall of man of sin and the effects thereof. Woo, what does that make you think of? If you've got any questions, please email, uh, email me at Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. We hope this just brings you to worship God, that you're not saved by your own goodness, your own moral performance. You're saved solely by the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his substitutionary death on the cross and his resurrection that was for you. So we love you guys. God bless you. Talk to you soon.